Hello and welcome to 444's Football's Most Accurate Podcast. My name is John Paulson. Uh, normally you're hearing Anthony Stalter uh, talking right now, but he uh, is uh, out today. And we brought in uh, a special guest, Christopher Harris of HarrisFootball.com. You can find him on Twitter at HarrisFootball. Uh, he's got uh, the big podcast he does over there, and he does fantasy rankings on his site. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to hear, first of all, Chris, thanks for thanks for joining us. And I'm, I want to know if you're going to be doing uh, podcasts throughout the offseason. You know, I think so. That was like such a plant. I told you to say that. I'm so lame. <laughs> Why am I so lame? <laughs> um, I think, you know, I'm sort of figuring it out. I actually haven't even said it on my own show yet. Uh, I think so. I think I'm going to commit to like one, at least one show a week in perpetuity and just see how that goes. Um, they're, they're, it's going to kind of come down to, this is totally craven, but it's going to kind of come down to like sponsorship, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. want to do a ton of shows for free, even though I love connecting with the folks, but there's less to talk about in the off season. So if people aren't sponsoring, that's possible. I'll take a week or two off here or there. But I think for the most part, I'm going to try to, I'm still sort of strategizing. Are you planning to talk about off season activities, uh, the draft, yeah. uh, that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah. I, I yeah like cause, to, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say last year, um, I did like full weeks of shows. I think around the combine, I did like two full weeks of shows around free agency. I did a week of shows around the draft I did like three weeks of shows, but it would be like, you know, it would be off for a long period of time and then five shows yeah. and then off and then 10 shows. And then, and I think this time around, maybe I'm going to shoot to try to do less around the events themselves, but like more consistently spread out. I'm not sure. I mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm super psyched to talk about the 2017 stuff. I mean, already on, on the Harris football show, we've talked about the rookies to know running back or rookies to know wide receiver. We've done like our 2017 sleepers our 2017 busts, you know, all that stuff. So hopefully we're all looking forward. All right, before we jump into uh, week 15 stuff, I do, I do want to apologize in advance. We just uh, adopted a uh, four-year-old Boston Terrier, and he sometimes just randomly howls or barks if he gets <laughs> alarmed. Uh, he also sometimes just picks up his toys and squeaks them and tries to whip them around. So if there's some noise in the background, I apologize. Those are my favorite apologies are the ones that are in advance because uh, well, it kind of covers everything. The last time you were on my show, you said the same thing, and he was so quiet. So it was yeah. nice. And then I think I was on one with Anthony. He just started howling in the middle of the show. So that, it's just <laughs> it's just a random. We don't know what's going to happen. So right now he's snuggled <laughs> up. So I think we should be okay. Uh, so Thursday night football. Let's talk Thursday night football. First of all, uh, this will be like a two part question. Um, well, actually, it would be a, a money many part question because we're going to talk about several players. Uh, but in general, how do you feel about Thursday night football? Should they get rid of it? Should they keep it? What do you think? You know, if the players are honestly telling me that they find it to be more dangerous and that it's, it's, it's really, really much harder on their bodies, who am I to say it's not? You know, from a pure viewership perspective, I have to say, I know the games sometimes aren't great, but the fact is if you picked any one single random game and made us all watch it at the same, <laughs> you know, the same time, there's a chance it would stink. So I don't think the quality of the football really does come down to because it's a short week. Or, I just think sometimes games stink. And they're not, and they're intentionally not picking the most attractive games. Just as a viewer, as a fan, I have to say I like having an extra night where there's football on because I like football. But if the players are honestly telling me that it's like dangerous, then I would say get rid of it. Okay, uh, I, I think that the recovery time is what they're concerned about, which is a valid, certainly a valid concern. Sure. But, uh, they could add a second buy though, and maybe kind of work around that. But uh, we're not going to solve this problem on this podcast. Let's talk about uh, Thomas Rawls. Um, yeah. so this was a, we, you had him ranked fairly high. I did too. I did too. I had him in my top 10. 
Uh, I thought that uh, the Rams defense had been, uh, I think uh, Evan Silva had a nice stat in his matchups column where they were giving up five yards per carry over the last five games to running backs. Um, Thought that this would be a a spot for Rawls, especially if they jumped out to a lead, which they did, uh, that he would get a ton of carries, which he did. Yet he only averaged 2.3 yards per carry, was hit regularly behind the line. I didn't uh, see every single one of his carries, but what uh, what do you make of Thomas Rawls' uh, performance last night, and can you trust him next week? Um, it's sort of, it's a good question. Okay. Well, so yards per carry is, is I hate as a stat, mm-hmm. obviously I hate it. You know that. And so I'm never going to say somebody was good or, or bad or is good at football or bad at football because of yards per carry. And you said the most important thing, like a 2.3 yards per carry can look really, really different depending on how, you know, depending on just what it looks like mm-hmm. in Rawls's case, you said it met in the backfield again and again and again and again is nothing the kid could have done. In fact, there were probably runs that he took for three yards where you're like, that should have been a one yard loss. And then other worse running Matt Asiata's 2.3 yards of carry looks really different, right? <laughs> He's pretty much just running into a wall and falling down. So I'm not going to take anything out of this that Rawls like looks bad or is bad or anything. I still think he's really good. Uh, and, and, you know, we wouldn't, be, we'd be making excuses for him. If on the one yard line, Richard Sherman's right on the one yard line, mm-hmm. run the ball. Like they ran the ball once to Marcel Reese. He got stopped and there, it was three other plays where they threw. And one of them probably should have been a pick. I, it was a right call, but it very easily could have been a pick. And it's like, we're, we're back in the Super Bowl again. We're out clevering ourselves, but I'm not that worried about Rawls as a player but it's very worth worrying about him as in the situation wise because he is getting met in the backfield and it's not good I mean it's an offensive line that it's just not a good offense it's not a bad offense but it's a very middle of the road offense and it's really disappointing to come to that realization after 14 games that this is just we're gonna it's time to stop thinking that it's going to be turned into a good offense because it's just not. There's always something. Against Green Bay, it was such a disastrous performance. It wasn't even the offensive line. It was more Wilson and then in the yeah. second half, his receivers. And then in the in, the, in this game, it absolutely was the offensive line. And that's why like saying that the Rams are some number of yards per carry doesn't really move me over the last however many games. doesn't move me because, okay, but what lines were they playing against, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they were playing... And it just turned out that that line was was poop on Thursday night. Yeah, I think uh, we've been discussing it at 4 for 4 uh, We have a suggested fantasy points allowed metric. I'd like to see that for almost every stat that we have that we track to to yeah. kind of, you know, so we can look at the Rams and, and then look at that 5.0 yards per carry, which is a little bit eye-opening. Like, oh, okay, that's, you know, it seems like there's some opportunity here. But if they if we adjust that for their level of competition, we're down to five or four four point three or something like that, then we know they're, they're yeah. much, you know, much more closer to average then. But uh, that's a conversation for another day. Tyler Lockett, 7 for 130 and a touchdown on 8 targets. Um, he played 60-something percent of the snaps. Uh, he's right. been averaging 58% of the snaps. So there was some talk of him. Uh, I read somewhere today that he had like, taken the starting job, but it didn't seem like uh, his, his snap percentage went up. Uh, what did you see from him? Um, and is he startable against the, the Cardinals next week? I'm going to start with the last question first, which is no, no. I mean, I'm going to have him in the 40s among receivers. I'm not going to want to use him, though. He'll be in a high upside play. Like, of course, this is the performance that when I was pumping his tires all summer that I thought we'd get a lot of. Mm-hmm. But the fact is we haven't, and maybe some of that's because of the knee injury, but some of it's also just in the depth chart. It, I saw it in two receiver sets. He was out there, and Jermaine Curse wasn't, and that's mm-hmm. good. Um, and yet... 
like you said, there's still lots of snaps where he's not playing, and that's got to do with just rotating receivers and different personnel groups, and I just don't think it's as simple, right? Neither one of us thinks it's as simple as saying, now he's ahead of Curse or now he's behind Curse, because in the end, that's not really... I mean, Doug Baldwin sits sometimes, right? They just sort of they rotate through those guys. It was super heartening to see that offense flow through him in the first half. Absolutely, it did. A lot of short stuff, get the ball in his hands. He's a really dangerous player. When he gets to the perimeter and there's not a whole defense to have to navigate, and he was he was good, he, he you know got some yards here and there. And then the, the big long play, though, it's a completely blown coverage. It's like, okay, well, if the, if the corner thinks it's cover two, and the safety who is standing in cover two apparently thinks, oh, except for I'm on the left side of the field, but I'm just going to go ahead and play the right side of the field. <laughs> like, you know, you could have probably completed that for a touchdown. So I'm not going to give, like, full marks. We'll take it. It's great, but it's probably not repeatable unless you get mistake after mistake. So I just think in general it's too late to be able to trust Tyler Lockett and yeah. we're going to be right back there with him in next year. Just I'm not going to fall for it next year as much as I did this year. As much as I think he's a fascinating player, they don't use him like a really dominant fantasy. I mean, they don't use Doug Baldwin like a dom- dominant fantasy player. I don't think there's a receiver on there you can trust on that entire team. Yeah, I thought that they would uh, be throwing the ball more, especially with the struggles they had running the ball. Uh, but Russell Wilson only attempted 26 passes and that's going to lead to, you know, Jimmy Graham's one for 31 on two target yeah. line, uh, especially if Lockett is getting eight targets and Baldwin's getting six. There's just not a whole lot uh, left there in terms of targets. And that's sometimes you get that with your, you know, your low pass volume offenses that can't support three or four uh, receivers. But uh, how about Todd Gurley's? Oh, go ahead. Well, just before you get to Gurley, I just wanted to ask you, like, if you're now looking back sort of at the span of the last couple of years, let's say post Marshawn Lynch being effective, and you look at sort of whatever that was, the last seven games, six or seven games of last year, where they were such an incredible passing offense, and Doug Baldwin was the third most, or maybe the most mm-hmm. valuable receiver in fantasy. Do you look back on that as an as the anomaly? As the that's probably not what you should be expecting from Seattle's offense because it just hasn't been that way since. Well, see, uh, the, heading into this year, uh, Russell Wilson's pass attempts have gone up every year, and it looks like they're going to go up again this year. He's got 469 with two games left. Last year it was 483. So they are, I don't know if they're necessarily, I have to look at their you know run snap or run pass splits, uh, but they do tend to increase their, their passing volume each and every year. I think Lynch being out and all the issues we've had at running back uh, have led to some higher passing games but you know dropping back down to 26 attempts uh, against the Rams when they can't really run the ball is is that's what surprises me I thought they would have been they would have kind of limited brawls maybe to 15 carries and uh, move the ball more through the air a little bit more but I guess they're just trying to kill the clock in the second half Um, I don't know what to expect from Wilson next year I mean he's had his hot and cold moments this year but just really not running the ball as much six carries for 12 yards last night um, hasn't you know? Only had one real big rushing game where he had eight for eighty against uh, Tampa. So he's gonna he's definitely gonna fall in drafts uh, next year. He might be that back in that eighth to ten tenth round range where he was such a good value a couple of years ago. So uh, Todd Gurley, I thought yeah. there'd be more. I thought there'd be more catches here, uh, especially with a deficit, which the deficit came to fruition. He only had one catch <laughs> for minus two yards. Uh, Benny Cunningham was out. It's the reason I thought we would see more dump offs. I, I would have expected with this final score, I would have expected three or four or five catches. He did get missed 
uh, oh. which would have been a big gainer. Oh, God. Case Keenum. Oh, was, <laughs> like the look on Case Keenum's face. Oh. I think that pretty much summed up every Todd Gurley owner out there. Because if that wasn't going to be a touchdown, it was going to be maybe a 40, 50-yard gain at least. So I think it was a touchdown. So. Uh, <laughs> So I guess the running struggles, we shouldn't be too surprised. But I think what I want to get at here with this is since we're starting to do a little bit of a look ahead next year, where do you think Todd Gurley goes uh, next year's fantasy draft? 12-team PPR. PPR. Hmm. You, you threw me for a loop there on the PPR. I've sort oh, of okay. been thinking of it in terms of standard. Well, go ahead and just um, tell me standard then. I don't want to cause all right, any well, problems. I'll tell you standard. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I can extrapolate from there because obviously he should be lower in PPR yeah. than he should be in yeah. standard. I don't know. So on, on my show, we did our, our way too early first round, our top mm-hmm. 12, and we counted them down. And in my top 12, he was an honorable mention. And in, in Cousin Josh's, he was, he was number 12 or 11 or something like that. So obviously, we both think, you know, at, at the very least, mid-second round. And that, and, and I, don't, I don't think you're going to have to take him there. I think he might go lower. We'll see because, you know, the industry year by year grows so much and there are so many voices and there's so much clamor and echo chamber that maybe everybody's going to say it was, a, it was a fluke. He's talented. Don't worry. And maybe it'll go back around the other way and people will take him. I don't think he's a first round pick probably, but I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if he's a second. And, and then in PPR, that probably means he's more like a third. And I think there are going to be some people, especially those who owned him this year, are going to say, no, there's no price. There's no price. You can give him to me in the 15th round. I don't want him. But, you know, think it's just we make a mistake when we think that things don't change from year to year. They change so much and not not everything, but a lot of things. And in the end, that's why when I'm going to think about ranking, especially in the offseason, I'm just going to think mostly about talent. And I still don't have a question about Gurley's talent. I think when he sees a crease, he mostly goes – I think sometimes he's so surprised he sees a crease that he's like, what? Yeah. He hesitates. But I, I still believe in the talent very much. So it's still probably someone I'm going to take a chance on next year. Yeah, I think the, I think the issues there are environmental more so than him uh, not being good. Uh, but I, I'd be really interested to see who they hire, uh, if they do, what sort of changes they make on the offensive line. I think those things will really drive his uh, stock up or down. Uh, heading into next year, I, I would. Uh, when I asked the question, I was thinking for PPR, I was thinking third round. So I think that's about where you yeah. landed at that on that as well. Um, so yeah. moving on, Julio Jones is out. Uh, he's been ruled out, so we don't have to worry about that. It was a late kickoff for the Falcons, which was going to be a real big pain in the butt. Um, but at least owners know uh, that he's not going to play. Uh, what are your? I see that you have Taylor Gabriel low in your rankings. You. You don't have Julio in your rankings, so I don't think that was Julio-related. How? Right. What do you feel about Gabriel? Uh, how do you feel about Mohamed Sanu? Is there anybody else there you like? Uh, what sort of game do you think Matt Ryan will have without his uh, top receiver? So if you know, I want to hear that Sanu's in. I've I've got Sanu out because I've assumed he's out. So if if he if he's active or if we hear that he's you know able to do everything in practice and all that stuff, he's going to be my highest rated Falcons receiver okay. because he's got the best best chance of a getting a touchdown. He's got the best chance of volume. Um, Taylor Gabriel is just teeny, I, and you know he did absolutely nothing <laughs> against the Rams except score a touchdown on a completely blown coverage where again you you or I could have scored. Um, and, and in the end, the book box score looks he- healthy to him, but the first target of that game goes to. Aldrick Robinson, I think, mm-hmm. and J- Justin Hardy's heard from. I think Justin Hardy dropped one that what could have been a touchdown. The Matt Ryan stat line coming out of that Rams game is three touchdowns, but it's two low two hundreds in terms of passing yards. And 
of course, that's the concern, right? Ryan is the only what you would gauge as the top among the top quarterbacks who has a matchup you or a weather environment that you can tolerate. Mm-hmm. But you say it's too good a matchup. I don't want to play him because it's too good. He's they're going to be ahead by a thousand points and he's never going to throw. Like at some point you're sort of double crossing yourself. I would probably just go ahead and play Ryan regardless of Julio yeah. being in there or not not in there. For me, Taylor Gabriel is just one of those magic carpet rides where, okay, if you want to not bet into the winning streak, that's cool. But the usage is so low. I feel the same way about JJ Nelson. I just uh-huh. I can't I can't go bananas on these guys because you're doing it on two targets. You're doing it on three targets. It just usually catches up with you. There's no question Taylor Gabriel in the open field super fun, but you're so limited in how you can use him because he's going to get squashed otherwise. Yeah, I would definitely describe Gabriel as a low floor player, but I'm I'm more bullish on him this week. Uh, with the he played 78 percent of the snaps last week, and he's seen six targets the last two games, which is not what you really want. But he's I mean you'd like to see seven to ten or more, um, but uh, with the matchup. And it's indoors. I'm a little more, more bullish than you. I would probably say I'm a lot more bullish on you than you on. Did, Mr. did you ranks? Did you rank Sanu? I have him, yes. Uh, but I'm worried okay. about this, you know the groin injury, so that, I think it's limiting. I have him at 47 right now. I have Gabriel okay. right now at 15, so I'm significantly Oof, oh significantly higher. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at below him Tyrell Williams, uh, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins, Ty Montgomery. So I don't know. I I don't know. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, all right. So Matt Forte, uh, he practiced um, this week. He may play. He's hearing crunching and popping in his knee. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm significantly higher on Bilal Powell right now than you are. I have him 11. You have okay. him at 20. Uh-huh. It's standard. Um, this assumes that Forte doesn't play in my rankings anyway. Uh, what, right. if, let's say, okay, so if, if Forte sits... We, we could both yeah. agree that Powell's going to get most of the uh, touches. Uh, we, we may disagree here on uh, how productive he is uh, in this game against Miami. Um, but what if Forte plays? Like, who do you think leads the backfield and carries touches? Uh, do you still think that Bilal Powell's a, a viable RB2, or is he going to go back down to the you know 30 to 40 range? Um, that's a good question. I... In my fantasy semifinals, the honest truth is that if I had any viable alternative, I just wouldn't use a jet. If Forte's active, I would, I would do my best, and I'm probably going to rank based. I'm probably going to rank them both lower than I have Powell now. You know, my concern with Powell is he's not playing the 49ers this week. Yeah, it would be awesome if he could just go from team to team and every week play the 49ers. The 49ers oh my yeah. god, all pro probably yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal. Um, but the Dolphins actually still have something. That, that they will actually will try to win a game as opposed to the Niners maybe actively trying not to do that. And uh, I don't I don't imagine you're looking at a 30-plus touch game again from Powell. And I certainly, if Forte's in there, you don't imagine that. But I don't want to use Forte either because he could run twice and then his knee could fall off. Like, I, if, if you know. Well, why is he even playing? Like, why, is, why is Matt Forte busting his butt to get back to play in this game? It makes no sense. I bet he's not. Yeah, I don't think he is. I think all of this stuff is just sort of rebounding around the echo chamber. I don't think there's any way he plays. Uh, well, not any way, but I don't think he plays on Saturday. I think they need to protect him from himself. Who knows what he's really been doing in practice, right? I mean, right. we heard A.J. Green limited, was in right? practice. Yeah, yeah. Li- limited means 
could mean just he put on the pants, you know, like, congratulations, <laughs> you're wearing uniform pants. I mean, A.J. Green is now listed as doubtful after two days of us having to listen to how he's limited in practice and we need to watch out. I just don't really believe it. I think in the end, the the Powell play is going to wind up being the one to make. And I think it's fine. I actually have no problem at all. If you told me you have him at 11, I have no problem with that at all because the names are all gross. Yeah. I don't like any of them. It's and, pretty and, ugly. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think you – why not just take a, vet, a bet on volume because I totally agree with you that uh, volume-wise, you know, who's going to be better than Powell? The, the problem is it's Bryce Petty, and I just wonder against a team that cares and with a viable defense, maybe just they get 100 total yards of offense. That's entirely possible. We are talking about the Jets with Bryce Petty at quarterback. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to Ty Montgomery. So, uh, sure. James James Starks uh, was in a car accident and is yep. concussed, and uh, I, I hope he's okay. Uh, ends up being okay, but I don't think he's going to play this week. Uh, it, the the Chicago weather is going to be cold, which is shocking, yep. right? December. <laughs> uh, so. Ty Montgomery has been kind of a hard guy to peg because the, the usage has been kind of all over the place. He um, had a couple of high volume games and then uh, was dealing with this. I think he's got the sickle cell thing as well, or he's got some sort of right. issue. And, no, you're, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was having to recall that. Uh, I'm, I'm a real pro here on the, on the podcast, but uh, so I had him at, you have him ranked as a wide receiver three. I had him at the same spot. And then I was looking at his, um, splits when he um, gets at least three catches. And I figured that would be uh, there's five games where he's had at least three catches. And I figured that would be, you know, his minimum uh, if he's the starting running back, if he's the primary guy, I don't think he's going to be a 20 carry guy, even though Mike McCarthy claims that I think they're going to have Kristen Michael, you know, carrying nine to 12 times as well. But if you look at what he did in five games where he's seen at least three catches, he's gained 90 total yards uh, he scored, you know, scored a touchdown, so he's point two touchdowns, and then five eight five point eight receptions per game. I kind of applied those distributions, moved him up. He's he's at eighteen now or nineteen in standard. He's lower in PPR uh, because he's being ranked amongst the wide receivers, not the running backs. Um, so what what do you what do you see? The, you know, if Starks is out. Let's assume Starks is out. What do you see the split being, and how much usage is he getting this this week uh, in Chicago? He might line up in the backfield, but I still think his value comes as a pass catcher. So I think you're approaching it the right way, which is try to figure out what he is as a pass catcher, even no matter where he lines up. And I think there's some value there. I think I'm going to rank him ahead of Randall Cobb. You know, I'm going to rank uh-huh. him well behind the Nelson and Adams, and that's probably to be expected. And as a running back, I, he did score on the goal line this past week, but yeah. in general, I, I think he's a very thin, upright. I mean, he reminds me of Denard Robinson. Remember what Denard Robinson, whatever that was, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. had the had the end of the season where people were like, see, he's a running back, see? And then it was him and Toby Gerhardt the next year because we were all convinced that he was a running back, and then it wasn't anymore. Um, I don't think Denard Robinson or Ty Montgomery are, are full-time running backs. I think we're going to go back to a world next year where Ty Montgomery is a wide receiver, and that's as it should be. And uh, And as such, I think – as a wide receiver three feels fair to me um, with the little added extra bonus of the possibility of, of a goal line score. Uh, it's just until last week I'd seen him in short yardage and it had been pretty ugly. Uh, so just, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to err on the side of saying I, I expect that not to happen, but of course it did happen last week. 
Yeah, my the reason that I'm sort of uh, he appeals to me this week is with Starks out. You're down to two guys, and I think they don't they're not going to give the ball to Michael twenty times. So I think Montgomery sees eight to ten carries, and then whatever he gets in the passing game. And with the weather being what it is, it might be short stuff, and they might run a little bit more than they would normally. Uh, that w- yeah. that's what has me a little bit more optimistic about uh, maybe about Montgomery than I was this morning. Uh, <laughs> Dante Moncrief, uh, doubtful out. I don't know what the current status is, but it doesn't look like he's going to play. I don't know. I don't really see a way to capitalize on this. I think the the red zone touch uh, targets probably go to the tight ends, but there's two of them, so you don't really know what's going to happen. Do you see any way to to profit from this? You know, it makes me feel a little better about T.Y. Hilton, uh-huh. um, who you probably were going to use anyway. And there's, of course, that that thing in the back of your head that says, okay, but Xavier Rhodes is so much better than the other corners and they will travel him a lot and sometimes even into the slot. And so it's always, it, you know, I have T.Y. Hilton five. I had, you know, I assumed Don, that was, that was assuming Moncrief wasn't going to play uh, just because I run out of wide receiver names who don't make me sick. But um my my feeling about Hilton is like okay but now you have to throw it to him like you really do you have to if you throw it to Philip Dorsett what happens last week is going to happen Dorsett was a binky of mine this summer yeah. I thought he belonged to the Tyler Lockett yeah uh you know the sort of poor man Antonio Brown and I'm going to give Lockett a pass because he's been hurt and I guess Dorsett was a little banged up at one point but not like Lockett's injury and that performance last week was pathetic for Dorsett pathetic running the wrong route, dropping the ball, sort of just looking like he doesn't have a clue out there. And uh, I, I'm worried about a player that I liked a lot this year. And, it, you know, you'd expect the third receiver, third year receiver bump. I don't know. I think Hilton, that he's the one who benefits, but you were already using him, so I don't even know why I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at Mike Clay's uh, wide receiver matchup cheat sheet, which you can get over at ESPN. Um, T.Y. Hilton plays 58% of his uh, snaps in the slot. And yep. Xavier Rhodes, two percent. So that's that's fine. Yeah. But you know what happened last week? I mean, that's that 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 explains Alan. You know, they tried to put Allen Robinson in the slot, and Xavier and Rhodes, Rhodes like, ah, 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 I'm just gonna line up right here, right? That was, I mean, they. That's the two percent. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um. Uh. So yeah, I'm still on Hilton, but for the same reasons, it's just got to be so much volume there. So quickly, uh, Ryan Matthews, Dwayne Washington, suddenly in the spotlight. Uh, <laughs> Darren Sproles is out. Wendell Smallwood's out. Uh, Theo Riddick's out. Zach Zenner is, is limited in practice, uh, but he's concussed. So we don't know if he'll be um, ready to go. I kind of you know, think Washington is an okay desperation play. Same with Matthews. Uh, neither, neither player has a good matchup. Um, Washington's, you know, just overall production has been really low. Uh, Zenner's pretty bad as well. They're both like well under, uh, three point or I'm sorry, well under four yards per carry. Uh, so the whole running game kind of takes a hit. Um, but what do you think of these two? If, if you're in a, if you're in a pinch, do you like one more than the other? So, you know, I want to hear that Riddick is definitely out. He didn't practice again. We're recording this yeah. on Friday the 16th. He didn't practice again. I, I just want that confirmation that he's definitely yeah. out. I, I have him in at the moment, but I assume you're right that he will not play. And if that's the case, I like Washington um, a little bit more than I like Matthews. 
So the the comparison that sort of struck me watching them play against each other last week in the Bears Lions game was that Washington kind of is Jordan Howard. Stylistically, I think they're really similar, but Howard finds himself in a better situation because there's nothing else on that team to trust, so the volume is always there. So uh. you know, Howard winds up looking good from a yards per carry perspective and from a volume perspective, just because he can get away with ten carries a game that go two yards or fewer, which he right. always has. And it's not his fault. It's just it's not a great offensive line. And when he finds uh, a crease. Big and powerful, and I, you know, the comparison I make on my show a lot is like Rudy Johnson, uh, Marion Barber, right? They're fine. They're good players. They were never. They were always like you wanted to own them when their teams were good or when their teams were really freaking bad, right? That those are the two scenarios where a player like that is good. And if they're in the middle and they've got a functional passing game, you get disappointed week to week. And that's I think that's the difference right now for me between Howard and Washington. But has the size, definitely likes contact kind of can cut once and that's it you know you're not you're not dancing around and and to some to some degree that's not a criticism we like that so i think i give washington a puncher's chance to break a jordan howard-ish type run and he has a little bit of speed at his size um with with ryan matthews it's just you know caveat emptor caveat freaking emptor like you know exactly what he is and it doesn't feel like a very good matchup and again against the ravens uh i i just say i'm not saying you can't use him because when a player who is accomplished in his career has some degree of volume guaranteed you say there's there's a potential there uh you you get a three touchdown game where he runs for three yards that sometimes happens with ryan matthews but i think i prefer washington i'm interested in what your take though uh well right now i have matthews ahead of washington i have uh riddick out but i do have zenner in so okay uh, it's Washington's going to be moved up a little bit if Zenner's out because I think you got Joey Bell after that, and I don't think Joey Bell's uh, going to touch the ball a whole lot. Um, a lot left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthews. I would. I, I mean, I think he's a good player. Uh, I would like this a lot more if it wasn't against Baltimore coming off of a loss at, at New England. You know, in Baltimore, you know, this kind of feels like it might be a like a eight to ten carry game where the where the Eagles just kind of give up on the run. And are throwing the ball more, and he's not—he's okay in the passing game, but he's not great or even really good. Uh, he's mm-hmm. decent. Um, so if he's able to hold on to the ball and, and you know get a thirty-yard gainer, then he'll he'll add some value there in the passing game. But um, you're, you're looking at maybe ten to fifteen touches max, I think, uh, for Matthews. But uh, the matchup just makes it uh, kind of daunting. So we're going to talk some more sneaky, sneaky starts, but I have to uh, announce. Uh, on the podcast, uh, the 2017 early bird subscriptions are now available for 444.com. Uh, for uh, 24 bucks, you can get the 2017 classic sub- subscription that uh, starts immediately. So, if you're not a subscriber and you want to, to get in on the last couple of weeks, uh, you can you can sign up now, and uh, your your subscription will work for the remainder of this year and all of next year. Uh, it's a good time to buy. So, just head over to 444.com, or if you uh, want to buy me a Big Mac, go to uh, my <laughs> Twitter page. Uh, look for the the link in the top uh, pinned tweet. Uh, click that link and then sign up, and I'll get a little bit of a kickback. Um, the 2017 Pro subscription is forty nine dollars. It's regularly fifty nine dollars, and that'll include the Draft Analyzer Unlimited, which will let you uh, league sync um, or sync your drafts with uh, no matter which uh, websites you you partake in. So if you have multiple leagues, different sites, uh, that'll uh, Unlimited Draft Analyzer will allow you to to do your draft everywhere. Um, we also have our new league sync functionality on the site, which will highlight players 
that are available uh, in your league. It'll also highlight your uh, players on your roster in the in the rankings, so you can quickly see where they're ranked, which is really handy for flex uh, rankings and all that. Uh, it'll do that for ESPN, Yahoo, and MFL's Fantasy League, so that's brand new, uh, just rolled out the last couple of weeks. And finally, the DFS sub is 79 bucks, regularly $99. Um, I think these are going to be the lowest prices of the year through week one, uh, so it's a good time to, to jump in and, and buy. So let's jump uh, jump into some sneaky starts. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, you have him at 16. This is my, one is of my sneaky high? starts. No, you have him. Is it's low, low. It's low, low. Okay. I have him at six. He's got oh, Cleveland. I see, I see. He's playing Cleveland. So what's uh, what's your problem with Tyrod Taylor this week? <laughs> what's your problem, Harris? <laughs> um, my problem is, well, he, he's just played very badly. You know, my my problem is really sort of the quality of play that that you're going to get out of him, and I totally agree with you that when you play a bad opponent opponent, that's better for you. I I sort of gave the benefit of the opponent more to LaShawn McCoy than to Tyrod Taylor. I mean, just by comparison's sake, I had Taylor 22 last week against the Steelers, and it's not like I think the Steelers are a great uh, defense. In the end, it's like Tyrod Taylor's as a thrower. I mean, we all just need to admit the experiment is over. He's bad. He's really bad. He's a really bad thrower. Like uh, Sammy Watkins, every so often can make him look good, and uh, he, but Tyrod Taylor just on film is not an NFL caliber thrower. And unfortunately, the running has been frustrating. He's such yeah. a good runner. He, he he is probably the best current. I mean, it's crazy to say he's better than Cam Newton, but they're very different. But it probably is. He's probably the best, and he has a lot of yards. But they've come in just a few games, and there are too many games where you just get nothing from him as a runner i wish they had more option concepts where he's keeping it six or seven times a game because he would be a fantasy dynamo uh so in the end do i think well let me ask you this this is a completely off topic <laughs> not completely but i'm just interested in your i don't know you know i so i host a podcast too and so i i, I just want to pick your brain it's a rex ryan question so it's not completely off topic okay. but like as of the Bills, you know, they're not in the playoffs scenario really anymore. They're hanging on by a thread. But as of a few weeks ago, they were really kind of right in the middle of it. And there was sort of an era of good feeling, I thought, about how the Bills had turned it around. And Rex Ryan had sort of stayed the course. And it looked now firing the offensive coordinator looked pretty good. We're three weeks later, and now he's a dead man walking. Mm. And it's he's he's gone. Like every, the NFL, the, the national reporters say he's done he's toast they've already made the decision it's just a question of when i'm shocked by this and i also wonder what the effect is going to be on the team i don't think we can know that kind of thing whether they are going to be sad and depressed and play badly or go out and win by 80 but just your opinion just of the of the fact that that's true of wreck if if that's true like (laughs) that just seems sudden to me yeah it certainly uh from a ranking standpoint makes me feel less uh solid about the about, about the bills the players. players yeah because uh, you just don't know what sort of uh, anytime you get into the situation a, a team's no longer in the playoff hunt um it, it's concerning because you just don't know if the, if the effort's going to be there each and every week you definitely want uh, to be you know putting your money on a team that um, has something to lose uh or has something to win or both right uh, right, right. So yeah, I think I think from that standpoint, it's concerning. I, I think quarterback. Just to underline this point, is that once you get outside the top four or five, it's a mess this Ugh. week. I, I think you could make a case for you just did make a case for Tyrod at, at sixteen. I could make a pretty strong case that he should be at six. I don't feel yeah. great about him at six, but I feel like against the Browns, um, 
and you're just looking at what Tyrod's done this year, which is he's been pretty solid uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, I realize that uh, you have a lot of problems with his uh, his ability to throw. I the do. Ball. Throw but the Sammy, ball, yeah. you know, Sammy Watkins is is getting healthy, and uh, uh-huh. you know they should score. They do score up a lot of points at home, and I just think that the matchup is 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 such that you know, like you look at that compared to Cam Newton, who's got a shoulder injury and. He tends to play better on Monday nights, so I might end up moving him up on Saturday when I do my final ranking sweep. But it's just a, it's just going down the list. It's like I got problems with every guy uh, from from six until twenty five or thirty. So I don't know. It's yeah, just one John, of those weeks. Can I can I just mention I got to I got to uh, zero. I got to rank zero before I started to have problems ranking quarterbacks <laughs> this week. <laughs> There's nobody. You could you could come up with literally every single quarterback. You come up with the argument of like, why are you even? Why is he in your top ten? Aaron Rodgers is playing in an Arctic wind. Why is he number one? Like, Matt Ryan's playing the Vikings. I mean, uh, uh, Andrew Luck's playing the Vikings. Matt Ryan's playing the Forty ers We just said before, like maybe there's nothing to play for after the first quarter. Like, oh my god, it's disgusting. Yeah, I I actually got that question about uh, from Fantasy Pros. You know, you, you get a request every once in a while to to kind of explain your ranking or whatever. They put it in an article. Derek Carr was the guy that they, they asked about, and I have him at five. And I just felt like, given all the quarterbacks, Derek Carr's home away splits are actually better away. He, he throws like almost no interceptions on the road, two touchdowns per game at home. This is a high-scoring game potential. Plus, it's the weather is going to be nice. Uh, San Diego, 64 degrees. And given all the weather all around the country, I just feel like he's a pretty safe play but i mean there's other uh you know analysts out there that have him at 11 or even lower um so i it's just one of those weeks drew Brees away against arizona tough matchup tom brady uh away denver without gronk uh he just he just ripped up uh the ravens but does that mean he's going to be able to do the same thing against uh, the broncos prescott's looking ugly last couple of weeks andrew luck's playing uh in minnesota where they uh, the Vikings just have been really good against the pass all year. I see that you're pretty high on, on luck relative to me. Um, Carson Palmer, just not a shell of himself. Phillip Rivers had 16 turnovers last last week. <laughs> <laughs> so this gets me to the next, my next player. I'm just going down the list here. Colin Kaepernick, you're very low on him, okay. 24. I'm, I have him at 14. This is an over-under of 51 points uh, in the Dome. Yes, he has uh, a 15% chance of getting benched. Uh, <laughs> at least, uh, but you know, Atlanta probably jumps out in this one. They're going to have to throw the ball. Is he running the ball? I don't know. That was what was getting him so much value earlier in the season, and it seems like it's drying up a little bit. What are you, uh, are you scared? Is Ka- Kaepernick just scare you too much? So you don't trust him? <laughs> What's the matter? Are you scared? No, I didn't mean it like that. Like it's just, I know. He, he's not I trustworthy. I, I get that. What? what what about this matchup yeah, scares you? I, I just if I lose in my playoff week because I used Colin Kaepernick, yeah. I'm quitting fantasy football. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm, I'm in the semifinals. I am not using Colin Kaepernick. I have any other options. I recognize, of course, is there a scenario where he runs for 60 yards and he sort of just saves you? Yeah, but I feel like that's about as likely as him being benched. And you could have made that case almost any game this year with where Kaepernick started, right? And it sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. I. I the over under is fifty one because I think Vegas is worried this game finishes fifty one to nothing. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> like there's there's there is that on the table. Yeah, yeah. Just watching. I I don't like to do the whole they don't play hard or that guy's not trying or whatever. I I say this a lot, but my feeling is that if you don't try, if you go half speed on a football field, you die. Yeah. It's just it's a bad thing to do. And so I don't I generally don't believe that kind of stuff, but I do think there's something to the idea that maybe GMs sometimes late in the season say to coaches with one win, don't don't strain yourself here. Don't don't uh, go out of your way to yeah. win because I'm not. Did you see that 49er jet overtime? Where they I go, didn't. they go. For no, it I did on. not. Thank you. Thankfully, I didn't. No. <laughs> they go. They go for it on fourth down, like basically in their own territory, and and they don't get it. And the Jets basically they're they're in field goal range practically right away <laughs> in overtime. It's like I just I think maybe if you were trying to win the game, you'd have punted there, but in the end, it's I don't think they're trying very hard. All right, Kenneth Farrell. Uh, San Diego Chargers running back. Let's just make sure everybody knows that. Uh, He had a huge workload last week with uh, Melvin Gordon knocked out of the game, a hip injury. doesn't look like Gordon's going to play. We have him ranked very similarly, uh, 19 and 21. Uh, So the concern is, maybe you can shed some light on this, pass protection. Ronnie Hillman was Mm -hmm. not active. Does Ronnie Hillman come in and steal some snaps? Uh, Because this is a pretty good matchup against the the Raiders who uh, have, have been susceptible to the run this year what do you think i think he does i think hillman is a part of the game plan and there you have to factor in the risk that he's a huge part um and that's probably why you can't get Farrow any higher even though i totally agree i, I would want my running back facing oakland in the semifinals if it were melvin yeah. gordon he'd be two you know he'd be yeah. or three and so um i think if you're betting on Farrow, you're mostly betting on situation and not so much the player. And that always makes me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's funny. I know that the draft Knicks or the, the spreadsheet Knicks who like to look at uh, pro day 40 times and pro day broad jumps and stuff like that. Like I know they love him and okay. I, you know, I don't think I can take anything I learned from about Kenneth Farrow on college tape at the university of Houston playing a pink pinball offense. It's just not really applicable at all. And so I think all I can really go based on is what I saw from him on film last week against the Panthers and a lot of volume. And I'm not going to rip him apart. He wasn't terrible, but he, you know, Melvin Gordon's been running behind a medium to not so good offensive line all year. And he's been great. Right. And Farrow runs behind the same offensive line and predictably isn't great. He's not as good a player. And He's kind of, you know, the comparison that I made is maybe too easy a one because the last time I saw this guy was in a Charger uniform, but Donald Brown, mm-hmm. which when Donald, if Donald Brown was ever going to get a lot of work, you'd go, he's an RB2 and I'm probably going to hate myself in the morning, but he's not, he's not terrible, right? He's not the worst thing you've ever seen. So that's probably fair with Pharaoh. Like you consider him an RB2 since he's a waiver ad for everybody, unless you're a Melvin Gordon handcuffer. I, I don't know that I have to go out of my way to use him. Gosh darn it, he's got to be in my lineup, which I think is your message with your ranking too. But that if you're finding yourself in a tough situation, that he could save you. Yeah, and he might. Uh, he's got some upside from there if he ends up getting a little bit more work than we thought. And plus, the matchup's favorable. There should be some score, uh, points scored in this one. So we agree. So I'm not going to talk too much about that. JJ Nelson, uh, hmm. I. I'm really thinking about using JJ Nelson in my uh, four for four DFS championship. I, I won a ticket last week with my Trevor Simeon, uh, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders stack. Of course, I had Le'Veon Bell, which didn't hurt uh, the fifty burger that he gave me. Uh, but I, I'm in a, I'm in this uh, championship. It's like forty two, forty four seats. Uh, the top prize I think is a thousand dollars, and I'm really thinking about some JJ Nelson. 
Uh, I don't know why I'm tipping my hand. I guess there's only 44 people on it, so I can't really kill myself uh, by doing that. But J.J. Nelson, uh, why do I like him? Um, he, Michael Floyd is now a Patriot. Yep. Uh, John Brown is got some sickle cell thing going on. He's being limited. Yep. I don't see him not being limited this week. Uh, so I think the issue with Nelson has been snap percentage for me, uh, just usage, playing time, being on the field. I think he's pretty a pretty good player. He's fast. I think he's got big play potential. Uh, he had two games this year where he played more than 70%, 65 70% of the snaps. He played 84% of the snaps against uh, Seattle, three for 84 and on seven targets there. He had one carry for four yards. And then the following week against Carolina, he played 92% of the snaps. He had eight catches for 79 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets. Of course, last week he had uh, one catch, uh, eight yards and a touchdown. He had a, he had a carry for 56 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the previous week in week 13 on two targets, he had one catch for 42 yards and a touchdown. You alluded to his lack of volume earlier in the podcast, Chris. Yeah. Uh, let's just, uh, wh- how many targets do you think he gets this week? And, how, just, and also, what snap percentage do you think he'll play? Let's just start there and then... Okay. Um, because I think that's what the, I think those are the driving driving issues for him. Well, I okay. I'm going to answer your question, and then I'm going to maybe maybe not agree with that statement. I think he'll probably play a lot of snaps. I mean, so's Britton Golden, right? I mean, th- that's the unfortunate thing is that it's a four wide offense, no matter who's in there. Yeah. So I think he'll probably play a lot of snaps. He'll probably play you know seventy seventy eighty percent of the snaps. And target wise is where I get lost yeah. because. So the reason I maybe balk at the idea that it's all just about usage for or um, playing, like being on the field for him, is that after that eight catch game against the Panthers, John Brown wasn't available. Jerron Brown got hurt, uh, and he torn it towards ACL in that game or the game before. I can't remember which. Uh, And Michael Floyd had been benched, right? Michael Floyd, long around the time that Thursday night game, had been benched. And so Nelson was maybe not, you know, they they planned on using. Remember how Bruce Arians told us for sure he's our mm-hmm. number two receiver now. Mm-hmm. That lasted not too long because he made <laughs> so many mistakes. He made so many mistakes. So 49ers, Vikings, Falcons, which is the three games after yep. Floyd being benched, Jerron Bound being gone, and Nelson having had the big game against the Panthers, he combined for five catches and three drops in those three games. Mm-hmm. He was bad. He's really yeah. bad, and to the point where I just worry the kid isn't actually ready to be any sort of major full-time receiver, and that, in fact, what he is is a really fast dude, you know, who's uh-huh. certainly made a couple, made a big play last week entirely because of his speed and was awesome. Like, for me, he's a poor man's Deshaun Jackson, and I, I would probably just play Deshaun Jackson. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it feels like... But, but by the same token, for DFS purposes, he's probably... I haven't checked the the dollar value on him. He's, he's probably pretty really good value. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's very yeah. cheap. He's a pretty good value, but he did have the two touchdowns last week, so he's not as cheap as you'd like him to be, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, like top, sure. He's not a top, top value. So See, in in a... I mean, I don't want to talk you off of something and then have Nelson go for three touchdowns and feel like a total schmuck, but in a 44-person uh, sort of limited room size DFS yeah. contest, Nelson's not the player I use. He's more, for me, a GPP guy, mm-hmm. right? He's more... I, I want to sort of shoot shoot for the moon. It feels to me like in a forty four person thing, what you need is to hit everybody, right? Everybody needs to be. You don't need the best at every position, but if everybody you pick hits in their top five percentile, you're going to win. 
So do you know how in uh, when we watch uh, you know movies that are in courtrooms and you know one of the lawyers makes a like makes kind of a stunty statement where he says something and and the and the judge says to the the jury you will not you will strike that from the record you will not pay attention to what that person said like that didn't happen that's what yeah. I'm going to do with your testimony about JJ Nelson this week <laughs> I'm going to ignore it and pretend that it didn't happen so that All there's right. no ramifications I won't make any my decisions based on your your testimony today <laughs> Like, you know, uh, that happens a lot. That happens a lot across the entire fantasy football world. I, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, another guy that uh, got me into the, the final here, Robbie Anderson. I had him in my lineup last week after the 12 target game uh, the previous week with Bryce Petty. I think 11 of those 12 targets came from him. Uh, I think he had another uh, 11 targets last week. I'm pulling it up right now. So I think he's 23 targets last two weeks. Brandon Marshall dealing with... Uh, 14 different injuries right now. <laughs> uh, a, a matchup with a pretty, you know, a pretty good matchup. Uh, you, you do make the point that uh, the Dolphins have something to play for. The Jets um, don't. Uh, but Robbie Anderson, 23 targets last two weeks. Four for 61, a touchdown against Indianapolis. Six for 99 against the 49ers. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you, how much do you trust this guy this week? If, you, if you're in the final or the semifinals of your league. Yeah, not 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 a ton. Yeah, not a ton. I don't trust him. I, recognizing that he could be a solution for the desperate, but that yeah. I wouldn't be benching good players for him. I mean, he's a he's a six four hundred ninety pound player. He just he's a beanpole who does one thing, and I'm assuming that Miami now knows that, and that they will not. You know the 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 Jet game that that's that's complete. I mean the uh, sorry the Colt game. That's a little a little dirty, a little bloody. That that stat line, considering it was a hundred to nothing, there wasn't a lot of incentive to really clamp down yeah. on Robbie Anderson. And then I yeah. think there's some blood on last week too, just because it's the Niners, and I'm not sure they care. So I I am I get it though. I I think what you're identifying is a bunch of players with the potential for a lot of volume and not worrying about whether they're good. And right. that and that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Like playing volume can can definitely work out. Uh, the problem comes down to if they don't get the volume and they're not good, they're definitely not going to give you anything as opposed to the player who maybe only gets you four targets, but fortunately caught three of them and two of them went for a touchdown just because he's awesome. You know, and you're not going to make the argument and I'm not going to make the argument that Robbie Anderson, the undrafted rookie from Temple, who's, you know, who I weigh more than who I'm four inches shorter than and weigh more than, uh, you know, is is awesome. But I get it. I get why you'd think there'd be a lot of volume and you're probably right about that. Yeah, you have them at forty three. I have them at forty, so it's not like we're. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. You and too far like, apart linear rank. Sure, linear ranks almost don't account for players like this, right? You, you, you almost can't say like if you're looking for upside, if you're looking for someone to bash through a ceiling. Robbie Anderson is exactly the kind of player you pick, and he shouldn't be fortieth on either one of our lists. He should be twenty five, right? But if you're looking for safety, you probably you probably shouldn't rank him at all. <laughs> all right. So last last guy, and then, we'll, then I just want to thank you because sure. for coming on because uh, you know I get hit up on Twitter. Why are your podcasts so short? I need it to be twenty minutes longer <laughs> for my entire commute, you know, or it needs to be thirty. It needs to be an hour. We usually Anthony and I stick to twenty five thirty minutes, but when we have you on or when I have you on, <laughs> we're already at, we're about an hour, so we're good. So let's let's get over an hour right now with this last guy who I. <laughs> I saw your I saw your ranking of him and I was okay. tickled and I don't get tickled easily. Ryan Griffin, if you need a tight end, Ryan right. Griffin, C.J. Fedorowicz uh, is concussed. 
We believe he's going to be out. I believe I'm sure that's what your ranking would reflect. That's right. You, I have him at. I thought I was kind of being, you know, a little bit bold. I have him at 18. Uh, yeah, I could see why I would maybe move him up a few spots. But you have him at 12. 12. <laughs> Throwing caution <laughs> to the wind. Now that's probably where you would have Fedorowicz ranked, right? If, if yes, if, if he was okay. So, do you think he just replaces that production? Is that what you're thinking? Um, I think they're really similar players. I think Griffin is actually a little bit better of an athlete, uh, and Fedoritz is a little bigger. And I do think it's fair to say like that that Houston offense is scared to death of Brock Osweiler doing anything to hurt them. <laughs> and and for, for as long as they can get away with the game plan, they just prefer to have him throw short to the tight end, it, which is hilarious if you think about what we've thought about Texans tight ends for the previous couple of years. Especially, certainly 2015, Right, it was not an offense that wanted to use the tight end at all, and this this year it's all they want, seem to want to do, and it's entirely because they just don't trust Osweiler to make risky throws anymore. Uh, can you remember back to those first couple of weeks when Will Fuller was a thing? Where yeah. like, man, look at him swashbuckling down the field and taking shot. There were maybe opening day he had like Fuller had like four shots over forty yards, yeah. and I, he probably didn't have he probably didn't have any since he might have won since. <laughs> Because they came to, they went. Oh crap! <laughs> He's bad. He can't play. Yeah. We 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 can't gotta protect ourselves. So yeah, I I kind of I'm making a little bit of a leap there. I agree. I mean, it's it's at some point tight ends just blow. Like congratulations yeah. to the person who really wants to get mad at me because I have Ryan Griffin ahead of Jason Witten. You know, like okay. I mean, you're well, allowed you to be mad. At Let me just interject though. You do have him ahead of Jordan Reed, who you have at 15. What's what do you, what's the thought I- process there? I do. I just don't trust Reed's health. I, from everything yeah. I heard about the injury, I mean, he couldn't. He he got one target in that game last week, and he looked like he was almost died. You know, he just is not ready to play. He's out there gutting it out for the team, but he probably shouldn't be. I mean, if that really was as as bad a separation of a shoulder, did, did, we might have even said this. Like that's that's a shoulder that's not connected anymore. That's a shoulder blade that's just loose. That's just hanging out. Like, yeah, the weird thing, I just weird don't... thing about Reed is that he did he did well he, after the injury he came back yeah. and he tore up the, against the Cowboys. Cowboys. It's so I kinda, Cowboys. That's, that's what made me a little bit like okay he can yeah. come back and play last week and he, you know he had the ten catches ninety five yards two touchdowns against Cowboys and then one for ten and a touchdown again or on one target against the Eagles. The Eagles are a terrible matchup uh, for tight ends. Carolina is 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so it's a, it's a much better matchup. But he only played 21% of the snaps last week, so that's that yeah. is the concern, I think. Sure. sure, that's the concern. That's why he's ranked below Ryan Griffin for me. I don't want to play Jordan Reed. I would want to play Jordan Reed. Matchup wouldn't matter with Jordan Reed. He'd be the number one tight end in fantasy if Rob, you know, because with no Rob Gronkowski, I, there's no you just for me you would lock if you wasn't hurt you'd lock Reed into the number one spot and you wouldn't think about anything you wouldn't think about matchup or anything else for me i just don't trust that he's healthy enough to play a lot all right let's do some against the spread picks i'll go first so you can get your thoughts together uh, my guy uh if you go to rp-excel.com you can see uh his website um he's having i would say he's not having he would not be happy with the year he's having his best bets are nine and five which is fine which is very good uh, against the spread this year, uh, 38 and 35. So not this is not what he's used to doing. Um, last 10 years, uh, he's against the spread uh, in the top 10, uh, as documented by the prediction trackers. You can see uh, his history there. But his picks are uh, the Jets, Packers, 
uh, Bengals, uh, the Bucks, and the Texans. And he has two over-unders that he likes. He likes the over in the uh, Minnesota-Indianapolis game and the San Diego-Oakland game. He likes the overs. So what do you got this week, Chris? All right, so tell me his picks again. You said Jets. Jets, Packers, Bengals. Oh, say it's the same slow. Same slope, so oh. I can Jets. I go the other way. I'll, t- I'll take the Dolphins. As... <laughs> You're already pretty slow, buddy. Uh, so uh, Jets, I'm taking the Dolphins minus the two. Okay. Uh, Packers, I, I'm with him. Six and a half. I'll lay it on the road. Bengals. Uh, Bengals, I'm going to take Steelers as road favorites. Uh, and actually, on Harris After Dark, which is the handicapping show that I do with John Anik, Anik disagreed. He agreed with your guy. He took the Bengals. Bucks. Uh, I took the Bucks as well. Uh, Texans. I took the Texans as well. And then he got so, the, you don't you don't do over unders over under do you? We don't. Okay. No, we don't do over and unders. I would you know so like this is a crazy week with a cup with well it turned out three double digit spreads right and one of them came through. So I you know I realize what you're supposed to do when you see double digits. It doesn't matter home road doesn't matter. You just take the take the points because it's the NFL. And I all three games I gave the points. And last night, <laughs> last night against the the Rams, I took Seattle minus. I, I bought it at minus fifteen. That worked out. I'm gonna take. Uh, you know, we did these lines on Tuesday, so they may have moved a little bit. But uh, Bills minus ten and a half. I, I I laid it, and Falcons minus fourteen. I laid it. So there you go. I'm gonna give you the big favorites. I think at this point of the year, I do not want my money on bad teams. The last uh, minute or so of our uh, podcast uh, call got a little bit warbled. Uh, so uh, I'm just recording this after the fact. I just want to thank uh, Christopher Harris for being on the podcast. Um, you can uh, find him on Twitter at Harris Football. Uh, you can also go to harrisfootball.com, check out his rankings. Uh, he does a podcast five days a week. So uh, we'll see you next time on 444's Most Accurate Podcast.